Welcome listeners to my review of Batman the Superman Dawn of Justice. This is your host Corbin and I'm doing my own mini movie review series where I'm reviewing this movie today and then on Friday I will be releasing my review of the theatrical cut of Justice League or Joss Whedon's Justice League and then on Saturday I will be reviewing Zack Snyder's Justice League which is debuting on HBO Max tomorrow. It is a four-hour cut of the film with new footage, new visual effects, even a new aspect ratio and I wanted to go back and re-examine where all of this was going, where was this leading to? And so I felt like the best place to start would be with, well, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Now, of course, there could be an argument made, why am I not starting with Man of Steel? I think that makes sense, but there's a possibility in the future, Alan and I will review all of these Superman films. So I'm saving it for that potentiality, but nevertheless, there are a number of events in Man of Steel that directly correlate to this movie. Now, I do want to give you spoilers. If you haven't seen Batman v Superman, you don't want it spoiled for you. I am going to be talking about the theatrical and the ultimate edition um, and how those differences can make the movie better or they can make the movie worse. So you have been warned about the spoilers. So as I said, I did watch both cuts for this movie and realizing that there's a three hour cut of BVS Batman v Superman makes sense because Zack Snyder likes to do this with a lot of his movies. And it only made sense that if Snyder was able to put out his, at least his version, his own satisfying theatrical version to say the least, there could be the case made that he would have put out a much longer ultimate cut or extended director's cut, whatever. Um, Watchmen came out with a director's cut and then an ultimate cut. Sucker Punch has an extended cut. His movie Dawn of the Dead has an extended cut as well. So it only makes sense that he would put out his own extended cut. And when I first watched the theatrical version in theaters, I liked it, but I knew there was a lot missing. There was a lot going on. It was a very hectic film and it was pretty confusing at times where all of these kind of power plays were coming in. So my thought was this is a very ambitious undertaking for a two and a half hour theatrical film and I really thought that it probably would have been best served as a mini series because there's just not enough time to explore these characters. We are coming into this Batman and a lot has happened to him. I know this Batman kind of caused some controversy. Some people loved him. Some people really didn't like him. I actually did a article, one of the first articles over at Silver Screen Guide about why Batman breaking his quote one rule is okay. So I'll link to that in the description below if you're curious to go read that. But, you know, I do appreciate that this is still kind of retaining its comic book aspect with some of its plot elements, but at the same time, it is bringing the real world into this, such as world opinion, uh, cancel culture, politics, these Senate hearings. And once I saw the ultimate cut, I realized that it works just fine as a complete movie. He added about 30 minutes back into the movie. And so you come to realize um, this isn't just him throwing stuff in there for fun. 
Kind of like with um, Peter Jackson's extended editions, those aren't his director's cut. His theatrical cut is the director's cut. He does extended editions because he just enjoys putting that out there for the fans. These editions are completely necessary for this movie because the theatrical cut is severely lacking in a lot of context. The one other thing that I know kind of caused a stir, which I really think is unnecessary though, is the Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition is rated R, making this, as far as I know, the first live action Batman movie or possibly any Batman movie to receive an R rating or and Superman for that matter and Wonder Woman for that matter. So mostly it seems the R rating just comes from looks like CGI blood to me. It's really not that violent. Um, it's really not that necessary either. So I think the R rating in and of itself is kind of a gimmick, kind of causing a stir. Uh, there's really nothing in here that would warrant the R rating, I would say. But when the movie does start, I am immediately pulled in by two things. The first is that Snyder is giving his take on Bruce Wayne's origin story, not just to remind people because I'm pretty sure almost everybody knows how Bruce Wayne lost his parents but also to show us that this memory is a flawed memory and it's something that's stuck with Bruce throughout his whole life. He is still remembering it and he is still recounting how his parents' death directly led him to fall into the bat cave, which these bats, it's almost this like supernatural transformation of him as a boy that changed him from this kind of sad victim and as Bruce puts it, brought him into the light. So this new persona is now him. He really doesn't care too much about being Bruce Wayne in this movie. He more so cares what he is able to do as the Batman. So I think that's a lot of things that people missed here in the beginning of this movie is that it's not just retelling the origin, but it's showing us how becoming Batman, how his parents' death kind of was a good thing in his life, however dark that may be, because without that, who is he? That's really the big question in here is who is he? And after that, we also see um, a different perspective. I thought this was really unique how Snyder puts us on the ground with Bruce Wayne and how his people are being, um, they're being killed throughout this whole terrible event where in Superman's mind, you know, in our mind as the theatrical viewer, you know, yeah, sure, he's destroying stuff, but there's real world consequences, which is something we don't often see in a superhero movie. So placing us on the ground and seeing these, you know, people fly in the air like little toys and how much that actually is wreaking destruction in people's lives. I think that's a really smart angle to take this approach from. And that is where Batman's rage begins against Superman is that he has killed all of these people un unknowingly or at least not on purpose but nevertheless he's not really held accountable and so much death and carnage continues to fall him that it seems like he's just doing more harm than good now i want to continue on this line of, of batman because i think this is honestly one of the best batmans we've ever seen on screen i know people love nolan's creation of it it should be noted that christopher nolan and emma thomas are executive producers on this movie and I think we just really didn't get enough of a chance with um, Bruce and we do get that more in the ultimate edition but watching this numerous times now I noticed that this is a more nuanced Batman than we may have ever seen before and I know we got some of that nuance in the Nolan films but this side of him is 
very different. I think he takes it to a point where Nolan really only began or really only started at. Because with this Batman, you have to realize that Robin has been murdered by the Joker. Bruce is still very angry over the death of his parents. He's visiting his mom's grave in a dream. And then the man bat bursts out and it is overtaking him. It's essentially eating him alive inside. We also see him drowning his sorrows with pills and alcohol. And his relationship with Alfred is actually really good in this. I mean, I think Michael Caine and Christian Bale had a great on-screen relationship as well. But this Alfred knows that Bruce is just a failure on a human level. Um, Bruce is sleeping with other women. He really doesn't seem to have much of a goal in life, um, except to now, you know, just utterly eliminate people uh, whoever get in his way that he feels are doing something wrong. So we see that Bruce is looking for an excuse to be Batman. And when Alfred says he's been invited to Lex's mansion and he doesn't have to break in as the Batman, then the next scene shows him looking with anger at the suit like he's mad he can't put it on. Kind of like a child is mad they can't play with their new toy. And so I found that to be something I never really picked up on before is that Bruce wants to be Batman. He wants to have all of these excuses in his life to not settle down with a family, to not see the good side of Superman, and he merely is not going to let anybody else be taken from his life. And that means if he has to utterly become Batman's in his persona, he doesn't care who he's going to have to kill. And that's why he goes so dark as he murders a lot of people in this movie, or it could be said he kills them at the very least, I should say. He brands them with a bat signal, uh, marking them for death, which is something we see a lot more in the ultimate cut. So this side of Batman, the dark side of Batman, which I mean, Batman is just a dark character in general. I really appreciate that Snyder is tapping into that and exploring that here. And I think a very smart way. Now, I do want to jump into the differences between the theatrical and the ultimate edition. There is a lot. First off, the African, the scene in Africa makes a lot more sense. There's a lot more context to it because this isn't just a throwaway scene in the beginning, but all of this is woven throughout that Lex Luthor knows that Lois Lane and Superman is Clark Kent and that they are romantically involved. He is setting Superman up on purpose. At the same time, he also knows that Batman has this very angry employee that he is going to set up as well. He is also setting up the congressmen and women. That is something completely missing from that. And he is really the puppet master of this whole thing. That's really kind of like hinted at sometimes in their theatrical cut, but it's really prevalent in the ultimate edition. The other thing is we get an actual confirmation that Jimmy Olsen is in this movie and that he's the one that dies uh, by Lois Lane's side in the Africa scene. One of the other things that's important in the Ultimate Edition is why is Clark Kent, at the very least, or Superman also so angry with Batman? And we really only get hints of why he's just frustrated with Batman. Well, come to find out, he's doing his own investigative reporting where we see scenes of his boss Perry mad at him that he is not writing the copy that he wants is because he's doing his own investigations into uh, how Batman is essentially terrorizing these people of Gotham. And um, that also shows us the humanity of Superman, that he really does care about these people, while Batman just sees him as this just 
big giant nuisance that is just really causing a lot of problems and the world would be better off without him. At the same time, Superman is seeing Batman as someone that's just being a terrorist and just trotting all over. So I like that kind of dichotomy, that contrast of how they both have a valid point that each of them are actually at some points doing more harm than good. There's also more scenes of Lois going to Washington, D.C. Um, Jenna Malone, whose character was completely cut out from the theatrical version. She uh, has worked with Snyder before in Sucker Punch, but she also helps Lois understand that the reason Superman couldn't see the bomb in the wheelchair was because it was lined with lead on purpose. And at the same time, we also learned that Keith didn't know he was going to die. So we also are able to see a much more diabolical um, Lex Luthor in this movie. His He murders his assistant um, in, the, uh, in the Senate building with the explosion. He tricks Keith into being the kind of scapegoat and therefore utterly tarnishing his name and doing probably far more damage than Superman incidentally did to him. And uh, he also murders the senator with the peach tea that's the granny's tea or whatever it is it's really gross and that scene makes far more sense because um the lady that testifies before congress about her parents dying in the uh, village in africa we learned that she was just a setup by lex and she comes clean she feels like she's done the wrong thing and ultimately she is murdered by the russian guy that the henchman that works for lex and the senator comes to find out that there's something very dark going on there's a lot more power plays at this point and even the higher ups in dc seem to know something that they really have to talk with uh, lois lane off the record about we also understand why um lex knows who clark kent is in the theatrical cut he says clark kent and bruce wayne together at last i'm so happy these two get to meet it doesn't make any sense why he would know him but there's an added scene where someone requests kent cover lex's charity which clearly lex requested it um and this is explains why he purposely set up the two of them to meet together it's also a little more clear in the ultimate cut that Batman broke into Lex Corp and stole the kryptonite as a direct response to the Capitol bombing. And even if it's not Superman's fault, his presence is still causing deaths. Therefore, Lex seems to be happy that Batman is stealing the kryptonite. Lex has multiple fallbacks on this, and that's something that I think makes this movie very ambitious is Snyder's creations and machinations of what Lex is planning to do. So Batman directly steals that. So you could watch the theatrical cut and see some of these connections, but the thing is they're so, so much more clear um, characters. Like when Lois runs to the Capitol and she sees Superman land and she seems very upset and wanting to stop him. It's because she knows that Lex Luthor set him up in Africa and has been kind of causing devastating scenarios just to make him look bad. And so it comes as no surprise to her when the Capitol is blown up. Um, but nevertheless, she's not really able to talk to him. There's also more character moments between, um, Clark Kent and his mom and some other uh, just small narrative moments. Of course, one of the big ones is uh, that I think a lot of people are like, what is this? But we do get to see Steppenwolf with the mother boxes that's teasing us for the Justice League movie. 
And it looks like Lex is like worshiping him. It's a really bizarre scene at the end. And you can tell um, Steppenwolf's character design is closer to what we'll see in Snyder's Justice League. Whereas the one, the Whedon version looks a little different. And at the very end of the movie, Batman tells Lex he's transferring him to Arkham. So I didn't want to go into too much detail with this. I have lots of, I have a couple of paragraphs written about the differences, but that's kind of a bird's eye view. So in my opinion, between the theatrical, which I still think is a solid movie, but once you see the ultimate edition, you'll realize there was so much left on the cutting room floor, so much to the context, and it made it such a better movie. I think if Snyder would have been able to release his three hour cut into theaters, which I'm kind of frustrated he wasn't able to do that because like Blade Runner 2049 was two hours and 45 minutes. Um, Avengers Endgame was three hours with with uh, taking out credits. This movie clocks in at I think around two hours and 52 five minutes something like that so it is really long but there still is an audience for that and i think that's something the studio just didn't recognize is that snyder was trying to make a very ambitious setup to the justice league and he's really puts a lot into this one movie but i think it really does pay off and i really appreciate what he's trying to do here so i know when this movie came out critics really dumped on it quite a bit thought it was mediocre to just pretty bad and i really think that's due to the studio making snyder cut this down to two and a half hours so the theatrical cut is a compromised version of the film no matter how you look at it there's really no way to ever watch the theatrical version again because because you are missing so much of the story. I mean, you really are just getting a truncated version. So the Ultimate Edition, I, I have no idea if this is Snyder's director's cut. I think it is his director's cut. This is the version he really did want to get out there. Um, and possibly it would have been slapped with an R rating if put out in theaters. And maybe that could be why they asked him to tamp down on some things. But I find that a little hard to believe as well. I do want to also call out Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL's score. And sometimes it is very good, uh, just really powerful in moments and just very strong. But at other times, I just find the main theme in this movie to be overplayed too much. I also was surprised at how much Christian imagery is in this movie. Um, there's a nice montage kind of towards the beginning of people questioning what Superman is all about. And it is a nice realistic examination, but there is this chilling imagery of a lady in a flood holding her hand out to what clearly is supposed to look like the second coming of Jesus. He is coming on the clouds to save them. Also, in the end, Superman is pierced like Christ was, and he's lowered down from his, quote, cross where he lies in the lap of Lois like Mary with Jesus. And of course, the pastor speaks of resurrection, which Superman will do. And then, of course, there's a lot of talk of God and the Antichrist. You could even look at Doomsday as this kind of Antichrist against Superman. And yeah, there's some interesting discussions. There's a little bit more in the ultimate cut of Lex's thoughts on God, which we really don't get a lot of that in a superhero movie. So I like he's trying to go a little more high level with it. 
I do also like that Batman's training directly relates to his attempted murder of Superman. It's really not a worthless montage. We show him pulling this really heavy rope, which um, also will be when he pulls Superman. That is the connection there. Also, when he's doing some really heavy training uh, with some squats with the bar across his back. That's also for when he has to pick up Superman and throw him as well. So it's really dark when you think about it because he's doing these very kind of serial killer-esque methodical ways planning for how he's going to murder Superman. But nevertheless, it's very well done. And then, of course, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the bat fight at the end where Batman takes on all those guys in the warehouse. Um, Batman's body language in that is something we really haven't seen in a Batman movie before, actually. The closest we've seen to it is in uh, Batman the Animated Series, um, especially just watch the opening of that and you can see how Batman moves. And I think they studied that. And that's just why this is one of my favorite on-screen Batmans is because when he's Bruce Wayne, he kind of really does make me feel more like that Bruce Wayne I saw in the animated series, which is my favorite Batman of all time. But, and then seeing him fight it out and move around, there's something that Snyder really captured there that I'm really going to miss because I don't think we're ever going to get Ben Affleck stepping back in to do the Batman movie. Maybe Robert Pattinson will do something great. I don't know. But nevertheless, I just have never forgot that fight from seeing it in theaters. It's still one of the highlights to look forward to in this movie. Now, there are some negatives that I do have that I really wish weren't here, but one that's not too bad, and it's more of a nitpick, it's more of my opinion, but the Batmobile chase isn't as exciting as what Nolan was able to do, and I just think the design of the Batmobile looks fine, it's not one of my favorites. Um, also, I know this one everybody didn't like, but Wonder Woman watching footage of these Justice League characters that Luther has collected is a sloppy way to introduce um, these characters we're going to get in the next movie. It is, uh, I understand they're trying to pack too much into this movie, especially towards that last hour, but it really doesn't work. I wish they could have figured out a different way to introduce them. Um, sometimes Superman's effects don't look very realistic at all. Um, his cape looks like a toy at times. Um, the way he just kind of flies around or slams down on the ground multiple times. It just looks very toyetic. It doesn't look great. Um, I know everybody also kind of had a big issue with this one. I don't have as big of an issue because, well, let me first say it's when he says, why did you say Martha? It's the whole Martha controversy, which everybody thought was dumb as can be. You know, it's still bad. It's it's a hokey comic book coincidence. But the good part is it brings humanity to these two characters. They both had moms named Martha. For the first time, Batman calls back to the death of his parents and at that point, the loss of his innocence and how at that point he has lived this very jaded, hard life since. And at the same time, he never really thought of this alien having any parents here either. Come to find out that he does and he just sees the vulnerability and how he really doesn't have the authority to take his life and especially Lois you know Lois is the key I'm not quite sure how that plays in with the flash traveling back in time to tell him but I do like that there is that element of humanity and once again remember Snyder isn't going for the realistic Nolan stuff which really wasn't very comic book at all this is still very much comic book while trying to blend some realism 
My other problem is the last hour of this movie is way too cluttered. It's Batman fighting Superman, then saving Martha, then fighting Doomsday, and then the epilogue. It's a lot because there's just too much going on. I think there's multiple climaxes, multiple fights, and I, I think a lot of people would be shocked to find out there's still an hour left, and I can understand people having problem with that. Um, one of the worst parts is Lois, what she has to do in the end, where she takes the spear and she throws it in the water. And then she she somehow comes to the realization also, just as the rest of the characters do, that only a Kryptonian weapon can kill Doomsday. So she goes to find it, but then she gets trapped underwater. And then he saves her. And it's just really, I understand they're trying to really bring in these two characters saying goodbye, at least for now. But it's oh, it's it's messy, I will say. And then the very end, the epilogue, even is messy in itself because there are two funerals that we have to go through. Batman and Lex is cut in between those. And then even before that is Bruce and Diana talking about finding the Justice League. And then we have to end with Lois with putting on the ring that Clark was going to use to propose to her. They're really trying to do a lot. I get it. I mean, I'm glad that there is a little bit more here at the end that at least makes sense when Lex calls out how they're coming. And in the theatrical version, it didn't really make sense except his kind of maybe insane theories. But we know that he saw Steppenwolf. He learned about the mother boxes and who knows what else knowledge was imparted to him, knowing that Steppenwolf would come in and herald the coming of Darkseid. That's much more clear in this, in this version of the film and the ultimate cut. So just before I wrap up this review, I did want to give you a little bit of trivia that I found in the movie. There are some Watchmen references, actually, even the very opening with um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who played the comedian in Watchmen. Um, this looks like it could just take place in the Watchmen universe. It's in slow motion, um, the way that it's lit, the uh, it's all very well done, I would say. And then, of course, in the ultimate cut, you get to see someone spray painted on a billboard. The end is nigh. A little bit of crossover there if you've seen Watchmen. Um, also, we hear Alfred talk about a phantasm, which is clearly a reference to the theatrical 90s film Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And then Perry also says uh, this isn't 1938, which was the year Superman was created. So I'm sure there's a lot more stuff in this that I missed. And I know there's videos out there, but those are just a couple things that I picked on. So ultimately, I am giving Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice eight stars out of 10 with a strong recommend. If you were kind of soured a little bit with the theatrical version, you just felt like, there was a lot of issues with it. I highly encourage you to give the Ultimate Edition a try. I think it really will reshape your opinion of the movie. I think you'll find it a lot more enjoyable. I know people don't really want to sit down for a three-hour superhero film. That's kind of strange and ambitious because they're more so popcorn fare. But just try and sit down and examine what Snyder's trying to do here. He's trying to make a very ambitious epic film, something that we quite haven't seen before until, and this came out before Endgame, 
and uh, which was three hours as well. So I feel like Snyder's a little bit ahead of his time and it's a much more cohesive film. And at the same time, it ties in much better to Man of Steel with the implication of Zod and Doomsday and just realizing how all of that actually comes together. Well, thank you listeners for joining me with my review for Batman v Superman. Make sure to come back tomorrow to check out your guide to Taken. Alan and I will be releasing our review for Taken on Monday. Starting that series, we're going to be reviewing the trilogy. Come back on Friday. I will be reviewing the theatrical cut of Justice League. I promise it'll be a lot shorter than this one. The reason this one ran so long was because I was talking about both cuts of the film. There is a lot to mention and bring up. And then on Saturday, I am super excited to finally see Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's four hours long. That's insane. I mean, it's been forever since we've even gotten a four hour movie. Um, but hey, you get to watch it in the comfort of your own home. You can pause it. You can break it up. You decide. So I'm really excited to see where this series goes and how cohesive it comes because we all know the DCEU just basically fell apart, unfortunately. But I think we are actually going to get a nice cohesive mini DCEU between Man of Steel, Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition, and then Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think it's going to make a hopefully a strong trilogy hopefully a decent trilogy on the dc side but i don't know that remains to be seen it it could be incredibly bloated at four hours i have no idea and i am excited to revisit at least the theatrical cut of justice league i watched it once it's no secret that i did not like that movie i thought it was wildly mediocre at best so i'm curious and eager to see where snyder changes it around and redoes it so listeners, if you haven't already subscribed, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. We got great reviews and guides coming each day uh, leading up to the review of Justice League. And then we'll take a break on Sunday and then we'll come back here with Taken. So I'm glad I finally got to review this movie, add this to our Batman reviews. Check out our links to our Nolan reviews as well. We reviewed all of the Dark Knight movies and I'll see you tomorrow, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.